Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast, getting you set for Oilers Jets Game 1. We'll check in with Jamie Thomas, Jets radio analyst, and then we'll also check in with Daniel Nugent Bowman, covers the Oilers for the Athletic. That's all coming up on the podcast. We turn our attention back to what we'll be doing in just over 24 hours, and that is going to be watching and or listening to the Jets at Oilers Game 1. And the man you'll hear analyzing the action here on 680 CGOB is Jamie Thomas, and Jamie joins us now. Jamie, I, I said this earlier in the show, it's kind of felt like we've we've been waiting for Oilers Jets for almost two months to be in the playoffs, right? I know it wasn't officially written in stone until last week, but it feels like we've been mentally gearing up for this battle for a long time now. Yeah, it feels like we, uh, it, it's kind of like they were lined up and meant to be together about 16 games to go in the regular season. They've been talking about it and talking about it. And then finally, here we are, right? It just seems like, you know, that one stretch where the Jets were 16 points ahead of Calgary or whoever was in the fifth playoff spot or the fifth spot in the, in the North Division. And they're like, okay, when are they finally going to get here? So now they're here. You feel like, and after three days of practice, I've, I've said this yesterday, it, it feels like Super Bowl week in a way all this hype leading up to this big game, and you're analyzing everything from the fourth line to the third line, the power play, the penalty kill. Now we're finally here. The Jets are in Edmonton and ready for game one. And, uh, you know, all this talk about how, you know, they're overmatched and the way the regular season series went, you could see why the Jets want to go out and there right away because all they're hearing right now is how they're not going to win this series. And I think that there's a lot to prove for them as they get to, as they play that first game in Edmonton. I like the analogy of the Super Bowl week just because, again, oh. it's it's been since Friday that they haven't played, which isn't all that long. But since they fe- played actual kind of meaningful hockey, it's been yeah. a while. We've known for a long time they're going to be in the playoffs. They're probably going to be third. They're going to probably play Edmonton. So yes. all the speculation, all the talk we've had for weeks, we're finally going to get some answers about this team tomorrow night. <laughs> and it, it, isn't it strange because I think going into this – this is my fourth year covering this team. This is the most, uh, the, I have a lot of questions. Like there's a lot of things set in 17, 18, no question about where they were going there. 18, 19, they, you know, they had some Andrew Josh Morris, he got hurt and, and, you know, you had a little bit of questions there and they went in the playoffs on a downswing. And then last year, you know, they're fully healthy and you, you thought for sure, okay, this is the, the way they had played before the, the pandemic began. I'm like, okay, you got everybody back. And now you you felt good about that, but this year it's just like you you've been trying to you, you watch them night after night, wonder what game it is. The one thing you do have down pat is they're better five on five. Connor Hellebuck seems to get out of whatever funk that he was in. Not that it was even that long, and he can't call it a funk. Now the only real questions you have is can they slow down ninety seven and twenty nine and figure out what Mike Smith is about? What, like there's. To me, you're not sure about that. And then I'm also a little curious and unsure about if Connor Hellebuck can outplay my, uh, Mike Smith the same way he would. You know, you look back last year, David, this is not fair. Last year was a, a much lesser of all the injuries. He got outplayed by David Riddick. The year before, Jordan Biddington was better than he was. And then when they lost the conference final to Vegas, it was Mark Andre Fleury who was better than him. So now you, to, the, to me, this series it hinges on him. And, you know, you're not going to be able to slow down the big guys all the time. That's where you count on him. And that's where Hellebuck, I think, has to be the goaltender he was last year 
um, as a Vezina Trophy can winner and a little bit better than that uh, in that aspect, especially if those guys get loose. I don't think they're going to loose as much as they were in the nine-game regular season series, but they're going to get their chances. Well, the reality is if you're an underdog in a series, goaltending is often a large part of an upset in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And just looking at the Jets' point of view, the two games they won against the Edmonton Oilers this year were both just real high-scoring barn burners in which they needed to score six goals in each to win. But in their seven yeah. losses, just ten goals combined for the Winnipeg Jets. So Connor Hellebuck can play great, but if he gives up two goals, I think that's a pretty good success for the Jets. They got to score three then, and that's just something they haven't been doing against the Oilers. Yeah, and you know you can understand why, you know, as the questions were coming out in the last couple of days, why the discussion about the regular season series has kind of become a moot point, right? That that's that's the stuff where they don't need to talk about that stuff. They got to figure out what they're doing now and how their game fits. This is what they've been building to. You know, they talked about. They play. They got away with a lot of stuff for the longest time. That's because their goaltending was good and they were scoring goals and things tightened up uh, defensively by the other teams and they were getting to their playoff mode and made it a lot harder to score. And the Jets weren't doing as much as, you know, playing the game they need to play at that point. Now they've kind of got it figured out. Now five on five, like I said earlier, they've kind of, they've, they're not giving things off off the rush like they were during that seven, the early part of that seven game losing streak. And then that 6-1 loss to Edmonton, it was just... No, nothing they could do uh, could stop Connor McDavid that night and, and Leon Dreisaitl. So that now you're in this place. You've built yourself up to this point. You've talked, if you're Paul Maurice, you've talked about it until you're blue in the face. Now you have to go out and execute. So I get the point where you, we as the media and fans, we look at the what's the past? What have you done for me lately? What have you done against this team? But I get where the Jets are going because mentally they got to forget that stuff and, and look to the future. So how does that how does that look starting tomorrow night? We'll have to see. But my the other thing here is is who's going to be on the ice tomorrow night? I mean, yeah. like I don't know if the Jets are playing the big game of <laughs> are they going to be there? Are they not? You know, Nikolai Ehlers plays a little bit on the power play yesterday when they were practicing. Uh, did not take line rushes today, but he's been in and out. Then he was with the the taxi squad guys, even though they're not the taxi squad anymore. Um, after practice so is that a little bit of gamemanship is like what's Pierre-Luc Dubois thing Paul Maurice saying it's a game time announcement not a game time decision there's all kinds of mental games going on here um that we have to figure out how everything looks and uh but I I think in the one part that gives me not so much hope but I I guess a positive feeling is that the top line is going and I you know Blake Wheeler's healthy and you saw it towards the last part. Like, yeah, like we, when have we been able to say that Blake Wheeler's healthy going to the playoffs? Not that they've ever admitted to anything, but this, he's got some jump in his game right now. And so is the top line. And Kyle Connor is getting some goals before the regular season ended, got him out of there too. So if they're going like that, that makes it a little bit tougher for whoever line they go up against um, to score because if they're down at the other end putting the puck in that, that helps the Jets immeasurably. Because that top line is going to have to to drive the ship right now outside of Connor Hellebuck. It's the reminder of what the playoffs are all about, right? Keeping yeah. the cards close to the chest, mm-hmm. never saying anything about injuries, being very coy. And yep. for the for the Jets knowing that uh, we got the watchful eyes of the media up there potentially, <laughs> he knows he knows already, and probably yep. has for a few days what the what the game one lineup is going to be, right? right. And, and- what. 
if it's Christian Veselainen on the right wing of the second line, interesting look. Do yeah. we think that's probably actually going to happen? I'd probably say no, but we'll uh, wait to see in a day or so. It, it's, a, it's such a crazy, and you see Andrew Kopp in the non-contact jersey taking line rushes too. So, like, what is going on here? Right. It just kind of reminds you of, uh, you know, you're just sitting there, like Jim uh, in the office going, what is going on here? He's talking about Michael. So it's just all kinds of, that's what you feel like right now with all these variables being thrown at us during uh, during practice. And that's what... That's why it's Super Bowl week to me because every day practice was a little bit different and then they're moving guys around here. They're putting different pieces in on the power play and Paul Stassen goes from the top power play unit to the number two power play unit. And I'm like, what? You know, Mason Appleton goes into his spot and they change, you know, Blake Wheeler goes to the half wall instead of down the bumper position. I get what they're doing because if something's not working with the man advantage, which it hasn't lately, um, you got to be able to flip the switch really quickly and get uh, offense or pr- produce on the power play in a different spot. And the, I think we can both agree, and anybody out there listening, uh, the power play has struggled because Nikolai Ehlers is on that, on that second unit. And that's just, uh, you know, this is the first time since I've been here that the number two unit has been, adly, if not better, than the first unit. And that was really something that was working in the Jets' favor for a long time. Well, two for 30 in their last 12 yeah. games, it's it's really bad. And, yes, that kind of coincides with Nikolai Ehlers being out, but he's yeah. not on the first unit. He was never on the first unit, so it doesn't nope. really explain the first unit's problems. No, and I think a lot of it was they just kept trying to do the same thing, right? It's just trying to force something that's not there. It wasn't working. You automatically go to what you know, and it's something you got to try something else. And you saw a little bit of signs – I think when they're moving the puck quickly, that's when they're at their best. It's just when they stand around. And when there's no traffic in front, sometimes I find that, you know, Neil Pionk's blasting shots. He's got a great shot. He's not going to kill you. He just, he hasn't a great, and he places it in good spots for deflections. But if there's no traffic, there's no way in heck you're going to beat Mike Smith. So to me, that's where some of the problems lie with the, with the top man advantage. And um, we'll have to see if there's some wrinkles they're going to throw in there to get those pucks through because the, we saw, especially in that Boston-Washington series, there's a lot of tip goals by the Washington Capitals. And mm-hmm. what, you know, Paul Maurice has been talking about, There's you got to score different ways, and that is it. Traffic in front, those loose pucks around the net that you got to get in the net, or the shots from the point that you have to pay the price in front of the net to, to tip in, too. So that's what he's been referring to. And I believe that, that message, I hope, has been uh, listened to and will be executed. All right, so playoff hockey is just over 24 hours away <laughs> here on oh 680 CGOE. We're counting down the clock to game one puck drop in Edmonton just after 8 o'clock. Are you excited about the game four, 8.45 p.m. puck drop here in Winnipeg on Monday? Yeah, that's devastating, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I knew, I well, you know what that is, right? Toronto's first, so. Yeah, it's a yeah, double hitter. I thought they did a great job, and I'm speaking of the NHL, for the most part, and Paul, Paul Edmonds, was pointing out to me like there's no way they put the two series on on the same nights because you're going to try and maximize your television audience while you have these all Canadian matchups, and I'm like that made sense. So, but I, I guess you have to do it to see how it is. But yeah, 8:45 I think for sure, and and hopefully we get a barn burner to make up for it. But I'm just you know I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm just so jealous of the buildings with fans mm. in them right now. It is that is just added. It's just it's like not having dessert for six months and then all of a sudden it's right there 
it, it's, it's all your friends uh, get the bowl of ice cream, but you're still stuck yeah. with uh, raisins. <laughs> you're still you're having your mom made homemade um, fruit roll ups. Brand muffins for dessert. <laughs> yeah. And no offense to those who like brand muffins, they just ain't doing no, it. No, yeah, yeah. When when there's a blueberry or chocolate chip muffin to the side, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I like I like brand muffins as much as anybody else, but the other two take the cake. Absolutely, Jamie. Appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this, and have fun calling the game tomorrow. Thanks, man. We head to Edmonton now to talk about the Jets Oilers series from their perspective. And joining us is Daniel Nugent Bowman of The Athletic. Writes about the Oilers. His latest work chronicles the evolution of Connor McDavid and his all around game. Obviously, Daniel, we're used to all these games without fans. It sucks. Uh, you know that since you were in the bubble last year covering the playoffs. Home ice has not really been a factor in the North with all four playoff teams not really showing a big difference between their home and road records. So do you think that trend will continue in the series? Home ice probably won't be a factor? Well, it's certainly just, you know, the players have talked about this uh, and, and the coaches and whatnot. I, I think it's, it certainly doesn't have quite the same effect that it would in other years. But it is there. There are you know some advantages still. I mean, you get you know you get last change. Uh, you can sleep. The players and the coaches, coaching staff can sleep in their their beds, and they're not kind of uh, confined to a hotel for you know three four days, depending on you know travel and, and when the games are, etc. So there are those types of of of, of advantages that are, are still you know there, but aren't maybe the the big ones aren't as you know as prevalent as they normally are. So. You know, you, you don't have that energy from from the from the crowd. You don't have you know that buzz in the building at uh, you know half hour or hour before game time. But there are those little things that I think that matter to you know teams, coaches, players that that um, you, it, where you'd rather have home ice than, than not, if that makes any sense. Yeah, just looking at the numbers, Toronto had one more home win than away win. Edmonton was three more on the road. Winnipeg four more on the road. And Montreal two more at home. Speaking of numbers, the Oilers were seven and two against the Jets this season. What has been the the conversation like in Edmonton about just how dominant the Oilers were in the regular season, and whether that'll carry over or not into the postseason? Well, naturally, I mean the players are, are downplaying that, like they don't want any type of of you know I don't even know if people still use bulletin boards anymore, but th- that type of material, right? Uh, but I think it does it does mean something. I mean, if you look at the way that that Connor McDavid played against the Winnipeg Jets, you know, twenty two points in, in just in, in the nine games, uh, you know, that has to give a guy a ton of confidence. And they, I mean, they won uh, six games six six games straight in in that season series. Um, to, to go seven and two as you as you mentioned so you know you certainly want to go into the playoffs with that type of um that type of track record than than not so you know i know the jets there were some games that they didn't play particularly well and especially down the stretch i know they had their struggles um especially you know connor hellebuck you know didn't have a didn't didn't play particularly well in a couple of those games but you know i've i grew up in toronto and i saw the the um, the Senators wall up the Leafs many times in in the regular season. And then it, when it came to the playoff time, the script switched. So it, when you have a team like the Jets that has a very very good top nine, um, has much more depth up front th- front than the Oilers. And as for as well as Mike Smith uh, has played this season, you know a, a, a Vesna caliber type year. Um, he is 39, and you actually have one of the best goaltenders in the league at the other end of the ice. So you could certainly see, um, you know, the script switching and, and the Jets 
you know, coming out on top in this series. I, I would put my money on the Oilers, but, you know, I think it'll be closer than, than the regular season, um, uh, you know, indicate, especially the, those games down the stretch. Well, the big issue for Winnipeg, not just against the Oilers, but against pretty much every team down the stretch, has been scoring. In the mm-hmm. two games they beat the Oilers, they scored six goals in each. In the seven games they lost, they scored 10 in the seven games. Mike Smith, 4-0 with the 206 goals against average and 936 save percentage against the Jets this year. What has it been about the Oilers this year that has allowed them to play just a lot more solid defensively? Because for years it was all about how they had these offensive weapons but just couldn't keep the puck out of their own net. Yeah, well, we'll start obviously in goal. I mean, Mike Smith has had a tremendous year. And and if you look back to last year, um, he played pretty well for a vast majority of the year he had about a six-week stretch where he was just brutal he had about he had an 850 save percentage over about 13 appearances that really um did a number on on his on his stats uh of course he did get the start uh in the playoffs last year and and was pulled partway through game one and and um and that kind of was the end of his run there but you know, this is a guy that wasn't their first choice to bring back. Uh, it was widely reported. Uh, you know, y- y- um, Jacob Markstrom, who ultimately chose the, chose their division rivals in Calgary over over the Oilers, uh, was their their main you know target. And there was a couple other guys in the mix, but they got Smith back on on a you know a cheap deal, and he's he's played very very well for them. So that's that's the main thing. Um, uh, obviously, if you're looking at defensemen, Adam Larson has had a tremendous year. Um, after you know battling some injuries last season, he's been a real force as a shutdown guy. Uh, Darnell Nurse is, is obviously uh, with the you know the the goal scoring prowess, but his all around game has improved too, and he's been um, you know a, a guy that's I think on the fringes of, of the Norris conversation. Um, but I think up front they're a lot more uh, dialed in defensively. Uh, you know, I wrote a, a pretty big piece uh, that came out yesterday about Connor McDavid and his uh, attention to defensive detail this year. I know that's been a very similar case for for Leon Dreisaitl. Um So when you have your you know your top two guys up front that are scoring at the rate that they are um, and contributing defensively, I mean, I think that bodes pretty well for the for the team. So there are a lot of different factors that have made this team better. Now at five on five their numbers are um uh, a lot better but they're still you know they were minus one at at five on five uh in terms of goals for goals against and 18th in terms of course before uh you know shot attempts um so uh, you know they're they're basically an, an average team at five on five which which is much better than it was last season and trending in the right direction but you know there are still some some areas that uh they can grow on the defensive side of the game Talking with Daniel Nugent Bowman, who covers the Oilers for The Athletic. And looking at the past playoff results for this team, there aren't much. They had the bubble last year where they go out as the five seed against the 12. There was the year where they made the second round and lost to Anaheim in a series that they probably should have won. And that's it for the Connor McDavid era. How much pressure on this is there on this team right now to start piling up some playoff wins? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, obviously, you know, Connor McDavid is 24. He's in the prime of his career. They have Leon Dreisaitl, who's a year and a half older. Um, he's in the prime of his career. Darnell Nurse. You know, there's some, there's a lot of guys here that are high quality NHL players, uh, excellent NHL players. Uh, obviously, in a couple of cases specifically, and there there hasn't been much uh, success. Now. This is a this this is a we're kind of moving into into a transition phase uh, right now. Last season, um, 
I think they, they over exceeded in, in terms of what they were expecting after a pretty terrible 18, 19 year. Uh, and obviously, you know, the season ended and they didn't play well in the bubble and we can kind of take everything maybe with a grain of salt here. Uh, this season, obviously they're in a, in a, in a different division and um, have done very well after a, a three and six start. Um, I think, you know, if you look at this division, the class is clearly the Toronto Maple Leafs. So if they were to go out again in the second round, like they did a few years ago, I don't think that would be a knock on, um, or on the organization or anything unexpected. I think this is a, a very, um, you know, I think losing to Winnipeg would be a disappointment, uh, but, but getting to the second round would be kind of what, what you're shooting for. And as they ch- kind of turn the corner and as this team continues to grow, um, they obviously have these guys that are continuing to play very well. They have some cap space and some some ability to uh, not only there's some younger players coming in uh, next season and, and the ability to, to potentially add to this team. Uh, and then they'll probably be, be returning to a, a pretty lousy Pacific division where aside from from uh, Vegas and, and potentially, you know, who knows what, what Seattle can do as an expansion team, there should be a really clear path for them to make some noise next season. So, um yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously, Sidney Crowdsworth won a Stanley Cup in his in his uh, third year, and that's a guy that you know Connor McDavid gets compared to a lot in terms of how um, how uh, you know how respected and, and known they were coming into the NHL and uh, you know prodigy types. Um, but so you, you would like to to see him, and he would probably like to have a lot more success uh, on a team perspective than he's had so far in his career. But I think they're really starting to turn the corner now, and uh, there should be a lot better days ahead here in the next uh, few years. We've talked a lot about McDavid and will continue to for obvious reasons because he's the best hockey player in the world. You've got Leon Dreisaitl, who's up there as well. Uh, you get a lot of offensive contributions from Nurse and Barry, but th- they've contributed for a lot of the offense for this team. Who are you looking for to step up depth-wise in the playoff run here for the Oilers? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And, and last season, I would have, you know, uh, there was a lot of talk about Kyler Yamamoto coming in and really um, uh, kind of catapulting this team into a, a nice run in the second half. Uh, he basically was a point-of-game player from from January through to the, the cancellation and pause of the season in mid-March. Um, he's had a pretty underwhelming year, um, but this is a, a chance for him to to kind of step up and, and make a bit, bit of an impact here. Um so I don't know if I would call him a depth player because he's he's on the second line. And same with Jesse Puliarvi, who's had a very nice year coming back from Finland, um, pretty much riding shotgun to McDavid um, after the you know sixth game mark of, of the year this year. Again, he's you know a, a top line player, uh, although certainly not a driver like like McDavid. He's he's kind of playing a complementary role on that line. So those two guys are, are two young players that they'd like to see really, uh, and you'd be hoping that they could get some offense from in the bottom six, as you allude to. You know, there hasn't been a lot of offense. Uh, a guy like Josh Archibald could be a guy. Uh, he has seven goals um, and, and, and kind of is, um, is a replacement for, you know, uh, for injured wingers uh, along to, to play alongside McDavid or if they're trying, Dave Tippett is trying to juggle up the lineup. He's a spot guy that can come in there and provide a spark. Um, but, you know, the, then you're looking at guys like Alex Chason and, and James Neal, uh, who are predominantly power play players at this point in their career. Um, but maybe hoping you can squeeze a little bit more out of the sponge five on five and, and get a little bit more uh, contributions. But, you, you know, you've hit the nail on the head, you know, aside from, from the big guys and, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who's also had kind of a down year. Um, this team is, is pretty thin uh, when it comes to uh, offensive production and in, in the, on the forward ranks. And that's where, where Winnipeg should have a 
clear advantage uh, against the Oilers in that regard. Sounds like, though, that uh, if you had to pick, though, you're picking the Oilers to win the series. I am. I mean, just based on how well McDavid and Dreisaitl have played, um, you know, this season, you know, the couple other guys in Nurse and as we talked about Mike Smith, um, I, I just they just have the Jets have had so few answers for for McDavid and Dreisaitl and and maybe something changes. Um, and again, Connor Hellebuck could, could win this series on his own. Um but I, I, I do think the Oilers, with their high-end abilities, uh, should be able to to take this series, just, again, based on what we've seen in, in the regular season. But um, I, I'm the more I, I look at this Jets team, uh, the more and more I, I'm, I'm kind of doubting that, that prediction uh, more. But I, but I do think that the Oilers do come out with it. How many games? I said five uh, initially. Uh, but I'm starting. I am starting to to question that more. I got you know. I I'll stick with it. Okay. Just so I'm not a waffler. But um, but uh, you know, I, I would not be surprised to see this game, this series go much longer than that. Well, we'll stay tuned and find out. Daniel, appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this. You're very welcome. Anytime. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more. Every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the day. You may not share our intellect.